right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three, season two of my podcast called Behind the Wheels. I am DJ Artistic. I am a DJ based in Los Angeles, California, but I might be in your hometown soon. If you're not in LA, uh, let me introduce you all to my co-host, EB. EB, what's the word? What's going on, everybody? I am EB. I'm uh, internationally known. I'm for, based out of Brooklyn, in love with everything black. I write, I blog, social commentary is my thing, but black music is like my sweet spot. That's what it is. So this is Behind the Wheels. We talk about everything black music. That means past, present, and future. So uh, to get into it with the uh, quick little um, you know, recap of the last couple of days and weeks, the only thing I'm seeing on social media is everybody talking about this Donda project, this oh, Kanye Donda, Donda. And I'm like, for me, I didn't even want to support it with any more streams. I'm not, I haven't quite forgiven Kanye, if I will, who knows. But I was like, let me just hear what he has as a DJ. Let me see if I have to play anything in the club, if it's that dope. But before I get into it, uh, did you get to hear it yet? Or are you even going to listen I'm, to it? I'm in the same boat with you. I was like, yeah. nah, I'm not giving him the stream. So I had my brother-in-law listen to it for me. He told me he heard it once yeah. and he don't have to hear it again. So I was like, yeah. all right, cool. I am curious though, because, you know... I, even though I haven't forgiven him, like Kanye has dropped some heat in the past. I don't yeah. know. Is, am I missing something? That's my question. I mean, so I, yeah, I did listen to it, and it's like I would say it's hit and miss as a whole. But the the highs are not nearly as high as the highs he's had on albums that weren't hit and miss. Like right, right, right. The last episode, you know, or whenever it was, we debated about. You know, graduation first versus late registration. Right. And oh yeah, like, that was when I won. Yeah. Right? I just that was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever. I mean. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. You can I don't. Know, I don't know why you won, but any. <laughs> you know, continuing either way, this album is not touching either of those. I would say, and I feel like it's yeah. not touching my dark twisted. And the thing is, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's where, when it comes to artists, I don't want to be a type to always judge artists based on their best work, because I understand artists change, they evolve, times change. He's been around, I mean, it's been 17 years since his de debut, so I'm not expecting artists to still make classic music every single time they drop, so it's not that. It's the fact, it's combined with the fact that I haven't forgiven them. It's like, right. if you really want me to forgive you, you got to give me some heat that's going to make me just make up excuses for you. And right. Like, I don't care how that sounds, that's, that's really what it is when it comes to music. It's like, no, if you make exactly it something that's it so, if it's so fire, then I'm like, look, like... Maybe that MAGA has stand for something else. Like, you know, so it, right now it still stands for Make America Great Again, just from hearing the, the, the project. And I mean, yeah. it has some decent points. Like, it has some dope guest features. Roddy Rich killed it. Jay Z got off. And even like the song 24, like, I kind of rock with the whole gospel feel to it. But even that is like, I'd rather hear Fred Hammond singing gospel than hearing Kanye with auto tune. So, I mean, it's like you said. I think the, like, the majority of the people, they're reluctant because they just still haven't forgiven him for like yeah. everything over the past couple years. So it kind of makes you hesitant to want to listen to it. And I think yeah. Kanye is one of those people, you just said something that kind of blew my mind when you said, you was like, it's been 17 years. And I was like, damn. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, yeah. what rapper, I can only think of one, 17, well, I can think of two, 17 years after their debut, still like dropping heat. Like who who is doing that almost 20 years into their career, especially in hip hop, yeah. because it evolves yeah. so much, it changes so much. Yeah, for real. Like, it's a couple. It's it's a decent amount who have made solid, good music, especially for their own fan base. And I will right. say with Kanye, he does evolve his sound. Like he, I listened to his project. I was like, okay, he is definitely trying to make it sound modern. He has a song mm -hmm. with the 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 New York, what they call drill, which I still call um, 
um, whatever they call it from UK. I still call it grind personally, but it, everybody calls it the, the, the Brooklyn drill sound, the pop oh, smoke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fivio foreign sound. So he has a song with that sound, and you can tell, like you know, he has a Travis Scott influence. So it sounds very modern. I'll give him mm-hmm. that. You can tell he has evolved this sound, but certain songs, I'm like, is this not doing it for me? But at the same time, Kanye has the most limbing of fans, and I'll say, if you're a limbing and you're a Kanye fan, I'm calling you out. I feel like. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, a lot of them will give him credit for anything he does and say that it's genius, even if it's mediocre. Even so if it's not. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like they're not so much a fan of the music as they are the man. So they, they the just person, like Kanye. Yeah. So it's like no matter yeah. what he releases, even if it is trash, they're going to say that it's great. Or my favorite that I've been seeing is, oh, y'all just not next level yet. Your mind is too close. Oh, like, yeah. You're just not yeah. there. It's too deep for you. Like, what what's deep yeah. about Kanye West? I don't know. But... <laughs> It, and if anybody's listening and they want to write in and let us know, like, let us know. Like, if you're a Kanye fan, what's deep about Kanye West? Like, what's so yeah. deep that the average person would not get it? I don't know. Yeah, especially at this point, especially with some of the bars he has. I mean, some of these bars, he has, he has some lines rhyming W-I-D with I-D-K and just, like, using acronyms. And I'm like, yeah, it's, maybe it's just not for me. But, hey, that's that's what everybody's been talking about. So, yeah, so that's what it is with the, uh, the Kanye album. So, to get into it, uh, our first segment of the episode is called the Rewind Segment. In the Rewind Segment, we talk about artists we feel may be unsung, who had an impact back in the day that we feel should get even more credit than they, than they uh, get, you know, and that we always want to hail those who made their mark in the past. So, EB, for this episode, who would you like to highlight for this episode's uh, Rewind? I got one of my favorite singers, the queen of the side chick anthem, oh, Miss Shirley uh-oh. Murdoch. Like, you know, everybody knows Shirley Murdoch's As We Lay. Um, Dana Harris actually did a remake of it in the mid-90s. I think it was like 96 or 97 um, with that Atlanta bass behind it and that Miami bass behind it. Um, and then, of course, Kelly Price did that big Kelly remake Price. of it. But... Um, I had to pick her for Rewind just because of the history she has, and I think she's influenced so many people. Shirley is actually out of Toledo, Ohio, and the reason that she's in the business today, the people are the person responsible for her getting her big break, Mr. Roger Troutman. Like, Shirley released a demo, uh, and somebody passed it to him, and he hired her as a background singer and then took her on tour as like a vocalist for him. He eventually got her a deal with Elektra Records, and they released her first album in 85. Now, that's the album that has As We Lay, but there's also a song on there called Go On Without You that was pretty big on Quiet Storm Radio. My favorite song from the album is actually a song called The One I Need. It's like a song that many people don't know. It's a deep cut on the album, but I think the way she sings it is just perfect. Then she came out with another album three years later. It's called A Woman's Point of View. That album had Husband on it, which is another song where she's talking about (laughs) sleeping with some woman's husband. Like, Shirley couldn't stay out of nobody's bed. Like, she never wanted to sleep in her own bed. That's the craziest thing. But in between that time, one of the big things that people will recognize her from and not realize it is Zap's Computer Love. Like, with Charlie Wilson, Shirley Murdoch is the female vocalist on the song. And she's the one doing the ad-libs that, you know, are so beautiful. Um, I think her voice is so influential is that she's, like, the mother to, like, Coco and Lil Mo and Nicole Mm, Ray and Gina Thompson. Like, vocally, that's who they sound like. And to take it a step further, I realized Shirley has sang backup for Twinkie Clark on an album. And listening to Shirley's album, 
I made the connection, oh, you sound like Twinkie, you sound like a Clark sister. And then I looked at the people that she has influenced, the Lil Mo's and the Coco's, and I'm like, oh, y'all all yeah. children of the Clarks. Like, you all have the same tone, wow. you approach your songs the same. But Shirley released uh, three albums, um, A Woman's Point of View, the debut was just self-titled, and in 91, she released an album called Let There Be Love. In the early 2000s, she started touring and doing gospel plays, and she and released... Plays. Yeah, she was, like, yeah. everywhere. Like, you know, it was before Tyler Perry blew up. Shirley Murdoch was in everybody's yeah. play as somebody's mother. And Somebody mama. stage play, yeah. you know, mama, mama, I burnt, mama, I burnt the, uh, the, <laughs> the sweet potato pie. Mama, like, I burnt the sweet yeah. potato pie. Like, Shirley Murdoch yeah. was doing it. And I think, it, you know, it's, it's dope, yeah. too. It's one thing to um, make an album, but when you can do that and sing on tour, it really speaks to the power of your voice because that's not something everybody's able to do. She did yeah. release three gospel albums between 2002 and 2010. And then in 2011, there was a live gospel album. Um, but since then, she's pretty much been laying low key. She hasn't been um, back to uh, the, the R&B or the secular world um, since the 90s. Yeah. You know, she left that behind and she she's been rolling with it. But her sound is so influential and it's influenced so many people. I think she's definitely worth mentioning on the Rewind. Oh, for sure. Like... I know I had uh, Roger Troutman as my rewind one time because yep. that's one of my favorite artists ever. And one thing that's crazy is that, like, back in 90, 94, that's when I first was able to start buying cassette tapes and CDs. And obviously my parents bought them. I ain't had no money. Right, but, right. but with that, I remember my, my dad bought me the uh, Roger and Zap Greatest Hits. So it's all these songs that are all basically 80s hits from Roger and Zap. One of my favorite songs was Slow and Easy. I didn't realize Slow and Easy was a brand new song at the time. I thought that was a song from the 80s because oh, it sounds... Yeah. It sounds mm -hmm. just like Computer Love and all that, but that was from 93, and she's on there too. So she just it was basically kind of like Computer Love Part 2. So she's one of those that whenever I hear that voice, that makes a lot of sense that she came from that Clark sister sound because, like you said, the Cocos and Gina Thompsons and all them had that same like yep. powerful with a little bit of a squeak to it, a little bit of a squeak. Yeah, it's almost, sharp. It's yeah, like, like yeah. the Stephanie Mills a little bit, but also yeah. like a power, like they can do they can do a power ballad. Like you when yeah. Coco sings and she gets like real nasally sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's all a product of that sound. Shirley Murdoch for sure. Yeah, and she has that sound. You could tell it's straight from the church. Like you could tell she was probably three years old singing in church, singing <laughs> solos. Probably couldn't couldn't pronounce the words, or she probably did ABC solos. So you can just tell. And I remember seeing her unsung, and I was laughing because they were saying that um after she did husband, she somewhat got typecast as being the the singer that always takes somebody husband or yeah. to be. The side yeah, chick. That's and why I said she's the queen yeah. of the side chick anthem, just because, you know, yeah. she, at first, As We Lay, and I don't think a lot of people realized at the time that that's what As We Lay was about. I think they thought it was like mm. a love song, but then in Husband, yeah. and she's saying you it's were blatant. someone's husband, it's and blatant. it's like, oh, yeah. okay, you, you, Shirley just couldn't stay in her own bed, and that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> she gave her life to the Lord now, so it's all good. Hey, it is, it is. And I mean, you know, that's, that's where she needs to be at, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but. I feel like if she did go back secondary, I would still check for her. Cause, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I saw her sing live a couple years ago. I think it was on YouTube. She sang. Um, she might have actually. Did she bring Kelly Price out or did Kelly bring her out? Either way, I think, I think Kelly she, brought her out and yeah. um, to sing as we live. But yeah. Yeah, she still sounds just as sharp, too. Of course. A whole 30 some years later. So salute to Miss Shirley Murdoch right there. So my pick for this week is actually Horace Brown. So hey. Horace Brown is definitely one of those singers from the 90s who kind of got uh, overlooked because it was so much firepower in the 90s and he was connected to all the right people but it just it just felt like he didn't 
reached that height. I always kind of see him as like the male version of Gina Thompson in a way because they both had those songs that at least that one song everybody knows, but they had a lot of stuff unreleased that didn't really make it, but they had some dope music behind the scenes. So Rehorse Brown, he came from the East Coast. He might have been from maybe a Connecticut. I don't think he was from New York, but he got on through uh, Devontae Swing. So along with like that Jeff Red type circle, they both came from that early, early 90s circle. And uh, the first song that I, I think I've heard from Horace Brown that he recorded that Devontae produced was called Hold On. And it was an unreleased song that it sounds just like a Jodeci production, but he's singing just like Aaron Hall. So it showed the influence that Aaron Hall had in those early 90s. And right. the same way you said Shirley was influenced by Twinkie. And then, you know, the same way Aaron Hall was influenced by Charlie Wilson. Yep. But Aaron had a lot of kids in that era. So Aaron had the boy head dude who made the, the, the album about. Yeah, yeah. Stole his sound along with like even Joe when Joe came out. So... Horace Brown was one of those who, when he came out, he had that Aaron Hall style, but he toned it down a whole lot. He was also doing background vocals for, like, Christopher Williams. So everybody knows, of course, I'm dreaming in those types of songs. So you might hear Horace uh, in the background of those types. But he had, uh, I think the first single he had that was big was probably Taste Your Love. That was, like, 94, 95. And he, he also had the One for the Money. He also yeah. had the Things We Do for Love. And those were all just some real cool mid-tempo bops, like those East Coast type of, like, probably early vibe in the club type tracks that had that hip-hop soul sound to it. And those songs, I feel like uh, you had to kind of be there in that moment to even really know what those were. But if you were there, those songs were some bangers, and they still sound good to this day. And I remember hearing that Taste Your Love might have been a little bit controversial because it was talking about oral sex, and it was, I mean, it was a little bit more blatant than what we were used to in the early, mid-'90s, but it was still subtle enough. You know, Taste Your Love could just be a metaphor for... You know, just being intoxicated by, you know, whatever, however you want to flip it, however you want right, to flip right. that. But yeah, but I feel like Horace Brown, he made a couple features. He had a couple features up into the like the 2000s, but I haven't really heard anything from him since maybe it might have been about 20 years. I know he had a track with Mr. Cheeks back then. He had a single that actually had Styles P on it. So he was still making a little bit of music in that era, but it just feels like he never really took off at that level. He was actually with um, Uptown, too. I think Andre yep. Harrell uh, actually did sign him, but just like a lot of artists, uh, just kind of got you know got, got kind of overlooked. And you being a musicologist, like, do you have any other insight on that? Do you know what happened with him? I know he did um, drop yeah. two albums or maybe one album that came out. Yeah, self-titled. A lot of but... it was, I mean, it was during the time that he actually signed to Uptown was when Uptown went through the big shift when Andre mm. left and went to Motown, and then Heavy D came in ah. and took over. So before Andre left. Once Mary became big, like the focus at Uptown and R&B was on Mary because it was like, okay, that's what we got. After Andre Harrell, once Heavy D was there, Heavy Heavy was trying to push Monifa. So, you know, everybody needed that Mm, one woman, you know, to be huge. So Heavy was trying to push her. He kind of got lost in the shuffle of all that. But The Things We Do For Love is a song that I still put on today like it just came out. And I feel (laughs) no way about it. Like, I'll blast it. Seriously, just the vibe on that beat. And he had that, like we said, that straight mid-90s style where it was always a little bit of a hip-hop feel to it. But there's some there's some dope grooves. So anybody who's listening, I'll definitely say check out Horace Brown because he had some tracks yeah. that definitely got slept on. So, and he had a nice Shirley. voice. Yeah. His voice was smooth. It was just like when he toned it down, once he matured past the Aaron Hall kind of yelling style, yeah. like <laughs> he had a very focused tone voice that, that I rock with. Yep. So. Yeah, so salute to Horace and to Shirley for for this week's Rewind. So on the flip side of that, we have our Fast Forward. In our Fast Forward segment, we like to highlight the artists who are making waves, who are getting bigger and bigger by the day, who have a lot of potential to be next up. So for this episode, 
Who would you like to highlight for your fast forward? It's a cat out of East London. His name is Jerome <laughs> Thomas. You know, I can't London. stay yeah. out of Europe for some reason. Like the, the R&B and the, even the hip hop there is just like sticks with me. But um, yeah. Jerome Thomas, he describes his sound um, as FOE. And that's an acronym for fusion of everything or freedom of expression, depending on how you look at it. So his sound is a definite mix of um, the jazz and the neo-soul movement of like the late 90s, early 2000s, and funk. So soul is really the foundation of it all. When I hear him, uh, like the yeah. first time I heard him, I heard D'Angelo. Like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, like, I heard it, uh, and I was like, every song I heard um, from his uh, first EP, it sounded like it was something that should have been on Brown Sugar. It just it <laughs> wow, did. Wow. It's uh, like, no lie, it sounded like something that should have been on Brown Sugar. And then even when his latest LP... Um, it's it's like voodoo. It's like oh, these are uh, other sessions of voodoo. He focuses a lot on live instrumentation and harmonies. Um, he's real big, um, a real big D'Angelo fan. As a matter of fact, he said uh, that the Brown Sugar album was like one of the major influences in his life. But he's also influenced by people like Joe and Chico DeBarge. Like he's like a young Marvin Gaye. He looks up to Marvin, but his harmonies are so dope. It's like. Damn, you a Brandy fan too? And yes, he is oh, a Brandy wow. fan. So if you were a fan of any of these people, oh, you makes gotta sense. listen to yeah. him. He's like the yeah. Erica, he's like the male equivalent of, of like an Erica or a Jill, you know, had they released oh. now. Um, he's released three EPs. His first one was called Conversations in 2016. Mood Swings was in 2019. And the latest one just came out at the top of the year. It's called That Secret Sauce. And That Secret Sauce is the, it. if you were a fan of D'Angelo's Voodoo, I'm telling you, this EP sounds like it's just the extended sessions. I'm not even going to say throwaway sessions because they shouldn't be thrown away, but they're extended. Songs to check out, No BS, Love Sick, The One, and Secret. Like, those are some dope songs by him. And I don't know, I'm hoping that he really catches on with American audiences too. Because you know how you hear people say R&B is dead and people not... Men not singing no more, and there's no more live instrumentation. He's giving you all of that. Like, I've not heard, I promise you, I've not heard one song I did not like by him. Whether it was his song or he was just a guest on somebody else's song, not one song. And I don't say that about a lot of people. I can't say that about a lot of people. Not one song did I feel like I need to skip or I didn't want to rewind and go back and hear it again because he's just that dope and in tune with, like, his artistry. So uh, check him out, for real, Jerome Thomas. Jerome Thomas. I just looked him up. I ain't heard of him, but just from what you said, yeah. I'm like, let me add, no. let me press download in he case my phone truth. service dies. I can still hear it. <laughs> like, let me, let me check those out. So it's crazy. I don't know what it is in the UK because my pick for this week is also UK. Hey. So mine, uh, I actually texted you about him a few weeks ago, you Joe did. Hertz, because yep. I was, I was just going through somebody's Instagram story, and you know how you always going through stories, and sometimes it's like, what a song is this? Whatever. Mm -hmm. This song just hit me. I'm like, within five seconds, I'm like. What note did that girl just sing that he has on, on his song? I'm like, this is kind of fire. So I had to look him up. So Joe Hertz, once again, is from London. He's actually um, a descendant of the Caucasus Mountains, if you know what I'm talking about. But his, uh, <laughs> his dad, yeah. It yeah, looked like the palm of your hand and not the back of your hand. Exactly, the palm of it, you know. Yeah, right. so that was that's him. But his dad's actually, I saw a legendary DJ out in London, too. So he was born into music. And with him, he has a straight-up uh, selection type sound where it's very, very electronic bass but it has a a very strong soul soul vibe to it as well mm -hmm. so with that it's like the song that caught me the very first song i heard from him was actually called 
I owe you. And I owe you has a, a singer on there, a girl singing on it. And just the, the melody she was singing, like I heard that within a 10 second clip. So I went back and heard the whole song. And this the first 30 seconds. I'm like, what's about to happen? Because this is a different song from what I heard on the clip. Then the beat drops and it's like, okay, I see where it's going. And I can tell just from that one song, his style is one of those that every song you hear is going to evolve. Every eight bars, every 16 bars, it's not just the same repetitive loop. I feel like he puts a lot of time and effort into each song. It's where he might spend more on one song than most artists artists and producers spend on eight songs because it's like mm. the song is evolving so much. It has so so many uh, layers and so much texture to it. So I was hooked just from that. So I played both of his albums. He has... Uh, two albums that I was able to look look up and uh, and listen to, and both of those albums were definitely dope. He had the best one to me was the one from 2017 called Night Slash Days, and it's from 2017, and the whole album has that very strong UK sound. So it's a, a little bit similar to like Children of Zeus, I would say. It's where you could tell they grew up on straight up American R and B right. neo soul, but they have those accents, so it, they do have that 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 Jeffrey the Butler does kick in sometimes. But it's <laughs> you hear it sometimes, but it's it's where it's 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 definitely a dope vibe. And the, the other album he has is called Current Blues. It came out last year, and he was saying one thing about his style and his and his his whole influence is that he's influenced by producers such as the usual Timbaland, Neptune's Rick Rubin. But his whole goal is to take influences from the past and make it sound modern and even better and i can tell that that's the direction that he's going because he takes these different bits and pieces but he he infuses it with so much more like some of it has a modern kind of Tronada type of house sound to it as yeah. well so it's a lot that's going on it's where i can tell it, it it might be a lot to consume for that first time you listen to it but i'll definitely say everybody out there who's into the experimental type of soul you gotta check out joe hertz and it is soulful. Like when you text me about him, I think uh, I went and I was listening to uh, two of his albums and every song that was played, like my ear automatically went to the the vocalist, whoever was on the song. I was like, everybody you work with is dope. Like it, that's rare. Like as a producer, you can be dope, but sometimes you don't make good choices with who you work with. Like Everybody on all of his songs was dope, and it it automatically caught my ear, and I was like, "This is super soulful." And this is before I found out um, that he was a descendant of the um, Caucasus Mountains. I had no idea before then, and then I and then I see it, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like whatever they're eating over there, whatever they're listening to, I don't know what it is. It's like they're just eating Soul Train cereal or something, <laughs> and it's, it's wild how it. I don't want to say it's better than the music we have over here, but a lot of, um, like especially his sound, it's not popular over here as popular as it should be, in my opinion. Like I want that on top forty radio. Like I want to hear that all day. He's dope. It's real. I feel like, like you said, it's where I do wish that a lot more of the American artists could just kind of take bits and pieces of that sound because yeah, I mean, just bits and pieces. It's, yeah, it's I obviously inspired. Yeah, it's inspired by what we did twenty years ago. So. They put their twist on it. Can we just take what they did with that twist and then make it our own again? Right. Because I feel like a lot of what we have now is influenced by what we've mentioned, the, the Bryson Tiller Trap Soul era. And it's yep. like, like no disrespect to that era. It's just that it's not as musical. It's not as, as deep when it comes to like what we grew up on listening to. So that's the reason that we gravitate toward that UK sound, I think. And that's the main difference. Like you said, it's not as musical. For, for whatever reason, I don't know, but it's just not... It's not as um I don't want to use the word deep, but um the this 
there's no connection. I don't have a connection with it because it's not, it doesn't have a high level of musicality. And that bothers me sometimes. And But I understand why. Like, I, no dis, like you said, no disrespect to like the Bryson Tillers or the Trap Soul thing. No disrespect at all. But we hear it all the time. It gets repetitive. Like, there's, there's not a, um, it's, it's, it's not as deep. It's, it's, there's no depth. It's very, like, it's surface level. Like, I want something more. Like, show me that you understand music. Show me that you connect to the music. Show me that you can write. Show me that uh, you can do more than, um, I won't say mumble rap, but uh, what's, what's, show me that you can be uh, less Drake and, you know, more D'Angelo. Show me that. That's all I want. Yeah. Seriously, I feel like the, the main way that I describe it is how my dad says it. Like, it, Whenever you hear a song, you hear something new each time you hear it. Even on the twentieth, the twentieth time, it shows how yeah. how musical it is. Yeah, so right. yeah, so that, that's what it is for me. So yeah, so for everybody who we mentioned so far from our rewind and fast forward, y'all have to make sure to check out our Spotify playlist. We have a playlist that we do each and every episode. So make sure you check out that uh, playlist. So next up, we do have you know we have a special guest for our drop. We're gonna be talking about something that a lot of us talk about on social media about. Are certain songs played out that we hear at parties? And we're also going to get into a little bit of, you know, regional talk as well. But we're going to get into that. And then we're going to finish off with that beat match. So in the meantime, make sure you hashtag Behind the Wheels Pod. We appreciate that. And also make sure that you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's about time to take that break. So we'll see you all in a minute. We're back. We're back. It's time for the drop. This is episode three of Behind the Wheel, season two. So for today's guest for the drop, we have somebody who I've known for a good, solid decade at this point, like over a decade. Damn, it's, it's been, been that long, long since summertime 2011. So we have comedian and host and and uh, you know Spades champion of the, of the whole world, <laughs> Mr. Clint Clint Coley in the building. Clint, what's good with you? What's up, man? What's going on? Not too much. So, uh, ten years, ten whole years, yeah, man. So, for everybody who's listening, Clint is from uh, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, of course. He's actually the reason I met my manager and the lady. So, you know, we got that connection from way back. So, Damn, yeah. I, I, man, man, let me tell you, now, lady, I, she know this. I know she's listening, man. I, I owe her, Oof. man. You already know that. Yeah, I, we, yeah. we know that. So, I owe, yeah, I owe a lot. I owe a lot. Yeah, I, I gotta pay my debt. Hey, all day with that. So, before we get into it, let everybody know uh, what you've been working on, what you have going on, as far as you know, in the world of comedy, in the world of you know, spades, and we about to do season two of the World Series of Spades, man. Actually, funniest funny funny thing, man. The other day, I was like, yo, we need a DJ. I was like, yo, man, you gotta call my man. Okay, you know what I'm saying okay. that's 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 me paying him back. Hey, for those of y'all that don't know, Ron don't like house guests. I slept on Ron Couch for two months. Hey. Two months. He don't like house guests. Mind you, not to, not to mention I was there for two. He didn't know me. Like, that. Yeah. it ain't even like I was his man from back in the day. Like, he didn't know me. Uh, but, yeah, so, no, man, yeah, so we, we, we um, you should be looking for that. That's going to come out around, around, around October, around October. So, uh, I'm really excited about that. All right, so, y'all definitely uh, follow Clint. So, let's just hop right into it. One thing that we always talk about, especially on social media, is that, when it comes to going to certain parties, especially if it's a theme party with 90s and 2000s, 
we hear the same songs, especially with 90s parties. It feels like it's the same 30 or 40 songs you hear at every party. And uh, one thing, that just, just to set y'all up, just because I, I like to have fun with it. So, Clint, this is my uh, co-host right here, E.B., He's from, uh, you know, he's representing. What's up, EB? He's I'm from the south. Everywhere. Yeah, he, he's from the south, but you know, he's he lived in New York. You know, he so. every, I'm everywhere. East, I'm everywhere. East Coast. Everywhere East Coast. I don't know what what's going on there, but everywhere East Coast, I can represent for. I respect that. Everything East Coast. That. So, so one thing that uh, last last season we had a debate about the biggest '90s party song, and I said back that ass up, Juvenile, and EB said Poison. Gotta be. And on, on the flip side. I've seen you mention on social media that <laughs> you tired of Poison. You sick of DJs playing Poison at parties. Oh, dog. So tell me, like, what, what, what's your beef with Poison? Did, did, a, bit, did a big button and smile hurt you? Like, what's, no, what's no, I ain't got nothing to do with I just feel like Poison is easy. Like, it's easy. It's like, look, man, like, all right. So, Ron, one thing that I've always liked about you as a DJ, like, this is the first time I've ever, like, I've been around somebody you know, who actually knows music. Like, you know, he from the West Coast, but this guy knows everything. So like, and this, mind you, this was 10 years ago. I was like, yo, yo I'm like, oh, you know, you, you know, you know, like really know your stuff, like really know your stuff. And my thing is, is that when we, when I'm listening to nineties music, I realize different people go to parties for different reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course we want to enjoy music, blah, 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 blah. And you want to hear what you want to hear. But I like when a DJ drops something that I ain't heard in a long time, but I remember it and I'm like, oh, this was my shit. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, the point I'm making is, though, is like, but I feel like Poison is just like, when white people start liking Poison and start doing all this, hmm. to the, like, it's, it's over. It's a novelty song. Let's retire yeah. it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I see it in movies now. It's like, that's the go-to song when they want to have a dance battle. And it's, it's like, come on. Like, I, 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 we're better than this, DJs. You're yeah. better than that. I get it. I get it. I mean... E.B., what's your take on that as far as it being this, that? No, he's telling yeah. the truth. I mean, it's, it's kind of like um, Montel's This Is How We Do It at that point or like uh, yeah. Return of the Mac. It's like the, when yeah. those come on, oh, anytime I'm God. anywhere and I see a white person react to something the way that I reacted when it came out, <laughs> that means that the song is played out. It's time to play something else. I mean, it's but over. it's still the biggest yeah. party song of the 90s still. I still got to give it. It's even because if it wasn't, it wouldn't go be back played that out. Ass up. Well, Man, see, I gotta go back. I'm from South Carolina, so back that ass up is played okay. out to me because that's all oh, that wow. was played. That's it. So here's the thing: I'm gonna say back that ass up is is played out, but it's not. And the only reason why is because I don't feel like for some reason we didn't let white people get a hold of that one. <laughs> not yet. Like I feel that's, like okay. they don't have they, it. Okay. They don't. They they like it. They it's like, but like you know when a, when when you hear back that ass up like. It's like the first doom, like you, everybody going to the dance floor. I feel like for black people, like that's the that is the run to the dance floor song. Like, and it's so it's so iconic that when the D, the DJ when he's scratching, all he got to do is just drop the doom. He, they, we know what's coming, you know what I'm saying? And people get excited. I feel like white people don't have that excitement yet, which means they don't have it well, yet. Well, they can't. Because they, they, they can't back, they don't have anything to back up. I mean, I mean the BBL, <laughs> like, you know, they're going to get the BBLs, but I mean, they pay they paying for it, for it they but they can't, they, they don't have the rhythm to always back it up. So they can't, you know, with Poison, you know, all you got to do is jerk your shoulder like two or three times and, and it's it. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. I feel it. That's all you I mean, need. I, I mean, shout to my white listeners right now, you know. Shout yeah. out, no, shout out to them. I mean, no, but, we, but, we give love. All day, but I definitely. I definitely get that. So, but not back that ass. Yeah. Up. So, with that, I feel like it's it's tricky. So, when it comes to these cliche songs, if I can ask both of y'all, what if y'all could name three, four, five songs from the '90s before we get to the 2000s? I would just say three to five from the '90s that should be retired. Of course, you already said Poison. 
EB, I'm assuming you would All say right. this is how we do it, but I'm not and sure if that's This is how we do it. Return of I'm, the I'm Mac. I'm in agreement with that one, too. Even, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good with all three of those. We've reached the point where, and y'all know, like, well, you don't know, but I'm a big Mary J fan. We've reached the point where real love is now getting to that. Almost Anytime there. it's in a commercial, like, or you hear it yeah, in the CVS, it's, it's like. Mm. It was in a Walmart commercial. Yeah. Anytime that happens, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, it, it, it's it's a little played out. It's a little played yeah. out at this point. Like these songs that we've heard over and over. One thing I can say about Real Love is is that it doesn't get played in par- at parties much, though. Mm. Like that's not a not party. A part. I mean, like that's not something. Well, when the remix drops, when, you know, when they drop big yeah, remix more. Yeah, the yeah. remix is. But not the original. Well, only reason why the remix, because the remix has a little reg- kind of a reggae rhythm to it, too. Okay. So it's like. I know me, like, you know, I just got into DJ, and if I play that joint, I could, I'll could, probably go into a quick reggae set for about 10 songs and then come and then jump right. out. Yeah. I mean, what no, I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. But, like, if I got to give you two more, I'm I'm good on Motown Philly. Yeah. You're from Philly. That's interesting. I'm good. Yeah. I get it, though. I yeah, get it. I'm good on Motown Philly. Yeah. I'm good on it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's over. <laughs> it's a wrap. Um, it's a wrap. And last but not least, when did the actual Electric Slide song come out? 80, 86, right? 80, 86-ish? Like, yeah, can, we, can we get a... Yeah. We get yeah, a but I, yeah, that joint. I, when I, did it... Because I felt like it was a 90s joint, and I was mad because by the time we got... We stopped doing... We do the electric slide before I let go now. We don't even... Right. We don't even acknowledge the electric slide. Hmm. I, mean, I mean, well, I like the uh, I was like, Grandmaster Slice version. That's my... Like that's which one the old that? school, hey. the Grandmaster, Grandmaster Slice, uh, the Electric yeah. Slide. That one. I don't yeah. even know that one. Off oh yeah, that, that's the one. That's I mean, crazy. the okay. original. I mean, the Marcia, Mar- Marcia it's Griffith. Yeah. yeah, that at this point is yeah. played out. And thank you to the, the cast of the Best Man for changing that and giving us like candy. Candy. And before yeah. before I let go, so now we have something else to Electric Slide too. But it's played out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's done. I'll definitely roll with that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another '90s joint that, that that I could be I'm cool on. This is how we do it. It's definitely like, whew. all right. <laughs> if I hear that, I'm I'm getting mad. I would say one for me being from LA that most LA folks agree with and Bay folks is California Love, and it's a case of that being. Hmm. It's not that you hear it all the time. So, it's just that whenever we go out of town and the DJ is like, "Where's my West Coast at? California Love," and it's like. Yeah, it's, right. it's a type deal yeah. where we don't we still like it as a whole it's a classic song but if you in LA I guess it's similar to how the East Coast y'all love money more money more problems and even Benjamin's I I, no, I get y'all it. love that for sure but it's just that we would still prefer to more hear more money so. more problems I'm cool on okay too. okay we would still prefer the, hearing more, something more else. Money, more I get the California love because yeah. I've been at parties and because I'm not from the West Coast, when every time mm. they shout out West Coast, that's the song that plays. And because I don't hear yeah. it a lot, I guess I'm not tired of it yet. I'll be like, okay, I get it. I get they need, it. you know, yeah. they need something to two-step California two. people, I, I, I can see the look on y'all <laughs> face when they play that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like that with more money, more problems. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Mm. I'm good with I can that. Get that. Yeah, because I feel like California love is a huge radio hit. You hear it during like the NBA on NBC Christmas if it's the Lakers playing somebody. Yeah, so yeah, you hear it so yeah. much, but it's like yeah. at, at an actual L.A. party. You you might hear it, especially if it's a mixed crowd. But we would much rather hear a DJ Quick song. We we would much rather hear a, sh- For a sure. sugar free, yeah, uh, nah, yeah, Dre yeah. Let's Get High or something. If it's gonna be a Dre type song, something. so I would say that. So for for reggae, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree. But I've heard some folks say that Murder She Wrote is like just a little bit too cliche played out for him. 
It is. I mean, it is. It is uh, depending on where you out. So like here, out here, yeah. they don't listen to reggae like that. So when you play it, you kind of like, oh, okay. Like somebody playing <laughs> reggae. They don't really play reggae. A lot of DJs, you know, don't really play reggae. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, yeah, on the East Coast, especially if you're in New York, yeah, you know, we not, not going to work. Yeah, I mean that's because that's that's a lot of a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the work. South, yeah. and when and. Anytime we heard reggae come on, that meant it's time to go to the bar and close out the tab because the, they, the, the party's winding down. It's time to go because they weren't playing it. So even today when I hear Murder, She Wrote, I mean, I'm, I'm not tired of it, but yeah. I think it's a lazy mm-hmm. approach to DJing. I get it's that. Su- super yeah. lazy. I get that. So that's probably the main one I would say for reggae for the 90s. So aside from those songs for the 90s, I mean... I wouldn't say my boo is played out, but it did come back super strong with that whole running man challenge and the kids. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know what? I can, I can. I'm good on that too. Now that I think about, right. it. Yeah. well, the thing with my boo is yeah. like we talked about, like poison, and this is how we do it. Like they never stopped. Like they just keep going. My boo, we got it. We yeah. it was a break, so we didn't yeah. hear. It. So when it came That's back, true. I wasn't really tired of it, but I was just like, you know, all right, you know, we going back to the south. I don't like when people get on the dance floor and like that's the only time they feel like that's the, like it's like you know like you ever have you ever be talking to to, to somebody you date somebody and they like yo I like old school music and you like oh, what do you like and they they give you this yeah it's like yeah. No, no you don't yeah. you like the hits like because they can't name anything outside yeah. of the hits yeah it's like okay like that. That, that, like let's let's like dig deeper a little bit. I don't know. That's just me. I feel it. So what about Candy Rain? Is Candy Rain a played out or is it still? I'll skip it in my. I'll skip it on when I'm in the car or when I'm like listening to music and stuff. But I won't if I'm in the if I'm in the club or if I'm not in the club. But if I'm out at a party or if I'm at a function, I'm not. I'm not dancing. But I'll, I'm not. I think out of yeah. respect for Heavy D. And now, now that he's mm, not here, yeah. when yeah, they come I'm on, it's like, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah it's, it's not, it. I won't say it's played out, but it's one of those things that anytime anybody announces they're having a 90s party or somebody's doing a 90s set, it's always the song that'll come on and everybody's singing at the top of their lungs off key. And it, it's just kind of <laughs> like, key. shut up, like play something else. <laughs> but yeah. you got to hear Heavy D and Soul for real. Can we get rid of nineties parties? Period. <laughs> I mean, it's time it's though, because it's, it's about it's been about twenty like, years, so it. it's, it's time over. for the early two thousands to kind of come in and take over. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm done with that. Like I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, it's, it's over. It's funny because I mean, over. so here's the thing about doing these nineties parties is that for me, like I understand that, that the main party age is like mid twenties, mid to late twenties, but it's tricky now when I'm doing nineties parties because the kids were born in the nineties. So it's like when it comes right. to playing these songs, like I always kind of gamble and I experiment, experiment to see what do they respond to, what do they like. And whenever, like a lot of times, my crowd will be a mixture of my own age group being early, mid-30s down to the 20s. And I can just tell this song here, okay, everybody who's 30 and up is actually, they were there for this song. I can tell that the other songs yeah. that, that the kids born in the 90s, they, I mean, they're adults. They're, some of them are 30 now. But it's like it's still where you can tell oh, that, yeah. all right, they weren't really there to experience it. So they... They respond to songs that they probably heard on the radio that their parents play, but it's like overall, and that's part of the reason that we do hear these cliche songs because like when it comes to a poison, everybody of every generation of every ethnicity knows poison. But if I go portrait, here we go, you had to be there in that moment. If I go, if I go Kwame, only you, you Mm. had to be there in that moment to know it. Yeah. Motown Philly, you didn't have to be there. Everybody knows Motown Philly. Right. 
Even when it comes to Candy right, Ring, Candy Ring, I feel like Candy Ring, little kids know that who aren't even there. But if I go immature, you have to be there. Like nobody knows immature, there. we got it unless you were there. Right. And you have to be a certain age. Like if you were too old, you wouldn't even know it. Right. So, so you right. had to be born in a right. certain pocket to yeah, certain know pockets. certain songs. It's interesting you say that because what people don't realize is too. And that's what I don't like about 90s parties. When you think of, when they say 90s parties, they're automatically thinking kid and play. They're automatically thinking, yeah. you know, like that colorful polka yeah. dot. You know what I'm saying? And people don't realize there was, there's literally, the 90s is literally in like two or it's three eras to me. Yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like that first era of 90, 90 to 90 is about, that ended around 92, that high top fade. New Jack Swing like era. Yeah. Yeah, that was done by 92, 93. 94 to like 96 was his own thing. And yeah, 97 to 99 was his own thing. Like rap, like think about it. Jay-Z was not even relevant in 1990. In 99, he's almost, he's arguably the best rapper. He was relevant in 95. 95, he wasn't relevant. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he still wasn't ready. Yeah, he didn't get, 99 is when he, 98 is when he kind of like really, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and But he's a big part of 90s culture too. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Sure. So I, I think people don't realize that. Like I think when we go to night or when we hear '90s parties, we automatically think of like, oh, we want to be in there thinking. We automatically think house, house party. party. Yeah. And well, that's yeah, that's like, like every, most of them songs. Came, every decade though, because you think about the '70s, everybody goes straight to bell bottoms and after Soul Train. Right. That's true. And it's so like right. that wasn't a whole right. decade, right. but that's where people go. So right. when we talk right. about the '90s, everybody mm. automatically go to the New Jack Swing era '90s, and they yeah. forget. About anything. But the crazy after. thing is, the New Jack Swing era wasn't it's the really late eighties. Like, really, that's eighties, really, yes. honestly. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. really think about it, like yeah. eighty six, eighty seven is when it started jumping yeah. off. Like yeah. to me, people don't realize this. House Party came out in nineteen ninety, yeah. right? But of course, back then movies took longer to make, develop, hmm. edit, blah 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 blah. So you figure it was filmed probably in what eighty yeah. nine? Yeah. That's right? a good point. About, Right, yeah. so my thing is, is that if you look at the listen to the music or listen to the soundtrack, and that's the New Jack Swing era, and don't forget, New Jack Swing was at his peak in '88, '89. Guy, like, Guy album, Guy's yeah. album dropped in '88. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bobby Brown's album yeah, dropped Keith in '88. Like Keep yeah. Sweat dropped in '87. Yeah. Like that's not like New Jack Swing is in '90s. By the time the '90s hit, New Jack Swing was on its True. way out. Yeah, I feel to like, me the yeah. last New Jack Swing song. Or not New Jack Swing song, but when I realized New Jack Swing was on his way out, yeah, with Michael. Jackson, I was gonna say, remember, remember the, time the time is the last like New that's, Jack Swing. That's I feel it. like ninety two was that yep. transition. Ninety two is when you got yeah. the portrait. Here we go, but then the SWV, yep, yeah, or the SWV, the yep. I'm so into you, and the um, what's the other one they had? Uh, yeah, right, here, so right here remix, right here, right here remix. Then Mary J. Yeah. And then after yeah. that, it was yeah, Mary J. With the real and, love and, and, and hip hop swing. So it's where, as far as when it comes to nineties parties, yeah, it's like. That's the aesthetic you see as far as the flyer goes. But then the funny thing is, right. like, I get it, but uh, y'all saw the movie Dope. And if you remember the, the part when uh, Malcolm yep. walked yes. up to ASAP mm -hmm. Rocky and he was like, I love 90s music, but he mentioned an album from 88 and from Puppy 01. And, and a yep. lot of times, yep. kids exactly. from the 90s, they do see, because I've seen it on Twitter, they talk about, I'm, I wish I was there for, for the 90s so I could have seen Bobby Brown and New Jacks, in the, I mean, in New Edition, Bobby Brown, New Edition, and Guy, right. and then they'll say, and Carl right. Thomas and Jagged Edge, and I'm like, that's right, 2000, right. so mm -hmm. it's like, the, ni yeah, the 90s exactly. gets credit for everything good that happened between 88 and 02. True. I've always felt, yeah, 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 right, exactly, yeah, yeah. And you know what's crazy, like, if you even ask me, man, like, if you really want to get technical, too, like, and, and maybe this is just me being biased, and I think we're all around the same yeah. age, like... Yo, the 2000s R&B was something, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it was yeah. as good as the 90s, 
But I think it didn't. I mean, to me, R&B didn't really dip off till about 2010. Yeah, you know oh, what I'm saying. Oh, oh nine, and, ten. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it didn't really take a dip till about 2010. And, and it, but I mean, listen, I know we can't talk <laughs> about them. But mm. I just want to say TP2.com came out in 2000. 2000. I mean, we, we yeah. talked about it before. I yeah. mean, that's, we, we I, mentioned how. I mean, let's keep it yeah, a buck. Yeah. Like, these, there's some really, like, confessions is 04. Yeah. You know, John Legend joint, 05. Like, there's some serious, like, albums that I would put up against classic 90s albums. Yeah, I mean, real, real, real. We, we, actually, we actually had an episode talking about the best album from 2000 when it came to, like, the Neo Soul. We had, we had D'Angelo mm. and Jill Scott. And music yeah. and Erica Badu, you know, Mama's Gun, all 2000s. So a lot yeah. of times, yeah, that 2000s, yeah. like Neo Soul era was fire. And then you had the Neptune's Timbaland era that came right around yeah, there. Yeah, gets, yeah. yeah, a lot of that gets overlooked because they think, you know, like early 90s was 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 it. And yeah. that's it. I agree with that. So moving into the 2000s, when it comes to, uh, we are starting to see 2000s parties more and more. And I would say when it comes mm. to the cliche songs of the 2000s, what I've been hearing the most so one thing about the 2000s, similar to how you said that the 90s had three different eras, I would say the 2000s kind of has, they both have separate eras, but to me, it's just kind of a divide, it's more of a halfway divide. To me, the first half, I see that more of yeah. like when the R&B party songs were still big. You had the Peaches and Cream, the 112 Dance With Me, yep. Usher, yep. You Don't Have mm-hmm. to Call, Mario, Just a Friend. But then, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the party, party, like club records, you think about the down south stuff. The right. 2000s when the, the so, South completely and I'm came into all over. of that. Literally, you tired of all those? Yeah, the, wow. Everything crunk and be yeah, the, crunk, the South literally it. like wow. I, I think even though Jay Z was still in the early 2000s the heavyweight in hip hop, like he was the guy. Even you know he was, you would say he was. So here's the thing, right? It's funny we talk about like, and, I, and I'm gonna relate this to sports real quick, right? You we we talk about how the East and the West was is is different you know what i'm saying like in the east you really it's really top heavy at the time you know it's brooklyn philly milwaukee you know whatever you know what i'm saying whereas in the west literally one through through nine is better than the you know what i'm saying you get what i'm saying could could probably be a four seed in the east my point is is that jay-z was the number one rapper new york had him but to me two through ten was jeezy ti like these like they, they, I, in the South, so that's where I say hip hop was taken over. Like you, you, to your point when you said hip hop took uh, the South took over hip hop, I would say that happened in like oh three, bruh. When I heard to the window to the wall, that was right. it for when, me. Yeah, yeah, to the window, that was it for me. I would say so. Oh three was Fifty Cent. That he was the biggest thing in the world in the oh three. We almost forget because we tired of Fifty Cent because Fifty Cent's antics. right, 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 yeah. right. Oh three in the club is a played out song. Okay, so getting into that in the club is the song. So here's the funny part about that. Like I would say oh three gets no spin. I would say spring oh three. I was at FAMU and yeah. the two biggest songs in the world were in the club and get low. In the club was yep. bigger overall. It was more bigger on radio. It was more of a crossover hit. Yeah. But 19, 18 yeah. years later, I think we would all rather hear Get Low than In the Club. Because the thing about in, in the Club, when, in when I first heard In the Club, I remember hearing it on radio, and I was like, this is not really a club beat. It's just a fire song. But, it's but it not, was hot. Yeah. But it was just hot. The, the yeah, beat didn't really make you want to. And that's yeah. what I mean. That and that's what I mean by top heavy. Even though Fifty Cent was in the mix, yeah. he was hot, but he wasn't the one. We wasn't listening to Fifty at the club, like you know what I mean. We was listening to Fifty, and same thing with Kanye West and Common. Like they had quality albums in this in the, in, in this whole entire. Era, but we not playing none of them guys at a party. You know what I'm saying? 
the reason why we'd rather hear Get Low, though, is because little, once I hear Get Low, I immediately go to the snap era. So, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, okay, he, he playing Get Low. He about to play all my joints. He about to play the, the Laffy Tap. He about to play all, <laughs> like, all my, yeah, he about the to. Yeah, he about to. I about, yeah, he about to really like. That's what I'm thinking. Like everything that I guess that grits and biscuits. At the right, point, I guess, and that's all the stuff I'm tired of because on. I was there when it was happening. So I was you like, was I don't want to hear. See, none I wasn't there. I don't want to hear nothing. And Ron, nah. you and and, and and you DJ'd it. You know what I'm saying? So like, think about it too. Like that's another thing I learned from you, right? So I didn't know how big like HBCU and down south culture was until I got to LA. Because I was finally oh, wow. around. I didn't know, dog. Like, you got to remember, I literally... All right, so look, I grew up in Philly, went to college in Philly. Um, I moved to New York, like, right, you know, in 2010. But really, New York and Philly is no, is not that much of a, a culture change. But when I moved to L.A., and I'm seeing how many people went to HBCUs, and I'm learning about, like, how regional hip-hop really was. Like, there's down south classics I've never heard of. DG Yola. Like, I yeah. remember we... And it was it was really yeah. evident, though, it came full circle when Trina battled Eve. Because mm. I was like, oh, yo, yeah. what is this? I remember this that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, said, I saw your comment. I said, this is a... I said this is twenty to nothing, like yeah. in my opinion, because to me, Eve got no Eve yeah. got Grammys. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? But I did not know how impactful Trina was in down the south, south yeah. in like '99. I wasn't there for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and I still think Eve is better, but that's I mean, not yeah. the point. The point is, I, I wasn't given respect to Trina for this for the simple fact is I didn't. I was ignorant to the fact I didn't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? And my thing is now that I'm understanding that, like, yo, the, the South really been like not playing with us since like '98 for real, for yeah. real. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. for real. The for reason real. that Trina was so like so huge to us is because like before mm. all we had was like a Mia X, like that was like the height of mm. like the commercial mm. hip hop. Yeah. It, so okay. we got Trina. Yeah. It was like New York. In 96, when Kim dropped, it was like our version of Kim. It was like, she's, she ain't afraid to speak her mind. You know, she nasty. Respect. It's like, yeah, we yeah. was going Respect. hard after that. But then, Respect. like, people, I would say probably, like, Virginia and on up, no idea any of her songs. Like, you could play one of her yeah, album bro. cuts, and they'd be like, well, who is this? They don't even know who it yeah. is. I did not care. That's crazy. Didn't, didn't care. That's I mean, crazy. Yeah. The funny thing is, because all three of us come from different places. Like, EB being from the South. Clint being Philly, me being LA, and it's like I think it's a case of the older you get, the more appreciation you have for different regions' music. Because in college, we all had that kind of arrogance where it's like wherever yeah. I grew up on, that's the best music. That's, so it's yeah. like, and, <laughs> yeah, so period. It's like you don't really care as much. And for and I would say for LA, like people don't really believe it all the time, but it's like we did grow up listening to everybody's music. We just like ours just as much. It wasn't a case of yes, I oh, dislike, yes, exactly. I dislike. We love East Coast and the South. It's just that we love the East Siders and Sugar Freeze just as love. much. So it's like right, going to the exactly. South is where I understood most of what was going on. But at the same time, I admit, like, 07, when I first really got into DJing, I hated Soldier Boy. I hated playing Crank That. I hated playing Boozy. Um, Wait, to be yeah. fair, we don't yeah. claim Soulja Boy in the South either. So you yeah, good. I mean, like, it's all right. I'm glad y'all don't. It's, it's, gener good. it's generational. <laughs> I had it, it's generational. It's, you know what's crazy? Maybe. Maybe. It's interesting you said the West Coast, though, because... You know what's interesting, man? I like we really didn't play no West Coast music at all. Like if you was wow. if your name wasn't Snoop, 
or Tupac, yeah. like or Ice Cube, maybe like, but like, like I had a man look me in the eye and tell me he thinks E Forty is the greatest rapper that's ever lived, yeah. and I, I was <laughs> at first I was like, yo, that's the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, but yeah. then when I started realizing what E Forty means to the Bay, dog. I hear him. I can't get mad at that. Yeah. Now I don't feel that way about beans, but <laughs> but the point is, I I, I don't like. Yeah. I, I like him, but he ain't the greatest. He ain't yeah. top twenty, my guy. Yeah. Like, you know, you know. But but my thing is now you, and that's another thing. Like those guys. So I gotta realize, like, oh man, like, I, I it just you know living in L.A. Really forced me to listen to other music. Like Ryan, when you would drop music at parties, or really, you know, the best place to hear you DJ is your cookout. Mm, your, your backyard, your, your backyard yeah. cookout yeah. that's the best place to, if you ever want to hear you DJ like for real for real that's the best place to hear you rock because you really playing what you want to play and whatever you feel at the time and honestly you, it's kind of the mood and the weather and how it was going on and I may be looking at it too deep because I'm high but who cares <laughs> I'm just saying that's what I that was the well, energy makes, I was getting it may, you know I mean, it makes sense because yeah, po- one thing somebody told me is that like when it comes to like regional stuff I didn't think about it for the east coast but it makes sense for us like they said the East Coast is like a subway culture where you're really on a subway, isolated. So listening to music in your headphones is more about the importance, the meaning, the lyrical aspect. Yes. In the South, yes. the South and yeah. the West Coast, you're driving around, you're, driving, you're bumping yeah. it loud. So right. the bass is more important than just the lyrics a lot of times when it comes to bumping stuff yeah. in the South. For the, for the West Coast, the same thing. Plus the barbecues. I'll be coasting in the lowrider, but then we had a barbecue where it's like it's about something that's not gonna make you dance too hard. You're not gonna sweat, sweat, but you vibe into it. So a right, lot of times, right, if, right, right, if you don't right. live a certain culture's like experience, it's hard to really understand like what makes it feel that way. And it's a pleasure to watch people from LA. Like when you drop LA classics, like when you drop corrupt or something like that, like yeah. it's a pleasure to watch them being, you know, being their zone. It's also a pleasure to watch people from New York act with certain things come yeah. on. It's a pleasure to watch people from New Orleans act with certain things that come, on. Music come on. Music come on. Like right. watch when people from DC watch when they when they, when they, when they yes. stuff come on. Like it's yeah. a. It's a it's a vibe like even Chicago you play that drill stuff they get excited like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's it's a pleasure to watch everybody like oh snap I'm from here or I'm from here or, you know what I'm saying like that's cool to me yeah definitely For I sure. feel like one thing with that is that you have to really be in those those environments to really get it so even I would say in college a lot of us we would go to these parties and my first time here in Chicago percolator and bang 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 ski 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 I'm just watching them and I'm like I'm confused because it's just like for one it sounded like like. If you didn't grow up in the Midwest, you might see house music as being for like Asians or Mexicans. So to me, it already felt (laughs) different. But then I'm seeing black folks dance crazy to it. And it, I'm like, this is actually kind of dope. Like, of course, your first instinct is I don't know this turn off. But when you see them getting hype, it's like, I can kind of ride. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got to You got to look. Yeah. I wrote with that. So, hey, Clint, I appreciate you for coming and tuning in. We might have to bring you back for next season or even Man, before I, that. I like, I like this. This, yeah. is, this is cool. Yeah, that's what it is. So, once again, tell everybody where to check you out at on uh, social media. Yeah, just follow me uh, on Instagram or, or whatever, Clint Coley, C-L-I-N-T-C-O-L-E-Y. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just be having fun out here in these streets. That's it. I don't that's what I'll be doing. I'll be having fun. Yes. I'll be enjoying myself. That's what it is. So everybody who's tuned in, make sure you follow Clint. It's time for that beat match. So what we do to end off each and every episode, me and EB, we always have a battle. We have a battle basically where we go back and forth and we pick sides on whatever the topic might be. It might be the best year for something. It might be about song versus song, album versus album, artist versus artist, whatever it is. And we like to mix it up for y'all. So... 
For this episode, EB had a, an idea about doing a battle based on samples and based off drum beats, break beats, and things like that. So with this one, we decided to pick two of the most influential drum break beats in, in especially hip hop history that yeah. came from, of course, soul, but two of the most sampled influential ones. And with this one, we decided to, to select Impeach the President versus the Funky Drummer. So with that, so for anybody who is not familiar with Impeach the President, it's a song by the Honey Drippers. And we also have the Funky Drummer, which came from James Brown, of course. So we have both songs in our uh, in our Spotify playlist for you all to listen to if you're not familiar. And with that, uh, EB, if you had to pick which drum beat was more influential or led to better songs, more domination, whatever it could be, which one would you pick between... I know it's hard. I know it's almost like picking a favorite. Almost impossible. Son, you know, I get it. Almost. But. Almost impossible. But I had to yeah. go back and look at both songs and my connection to each song and the songs that came from them. And I got to roll with Soul Brother Number 1, James Brown, with that funky drummer. I get it. I mean, I hate going against James Brown for anything. Y'all know how I feel about James Brown. I've, I wrote for him so many times. He influenced, of course, Mike and Prince and everybody else. But... In this specific case, I'm going to roll with Impeach the President, and I have to state my case. So the way we do it with this beat match, we each have three minutes to state our case. We both get two rebuttals, and then we have it judged by our panel, who is the producers, Melissa and the lady. So with that, um, EB is my co-host. I will let you go ahead and state your case. Why would you pick Funky Drummer over Impeach the President as your favorite or even the most influential drum beat, break beat of all time? I think, like I said, my connection to this song and also the songs that influenced it um, or were influenced by it uh, influenced my decision. Um, first of all, James Brown. And James Brown is arguably um, the foundation of hip-hop, you know, funk. We don't get hip-hop without that. Um, funky, I'm sorry, Funky Drummer is one of those songs where we know who recorded it. Um, not only is it a James Brown song, but we know that Clive Stubblefield was the actual drummer in the session. And it was all improvised. It wasn't planned. It wasn't um, something that was written and they recorded. It was all improvised. And when James actually got to Clyde's part, he told him word for word, you don't have to do no soloing, brother. Just keep what you got and don't turn it loose because it's a mother that means that the like them drums was hitting so hard that james was like don't change nothing and if you know anything about james brown you know he was a perfectionist and he was gonna let you know if you wasn't doing something right like people tell us that all the time um and then you of course you hear that all the time now when people were like give the drummer some that's where part of where it came from james brown was like no give the drummer some let me hear what Clyde got um in 86, it influenced tracks like the South Bronx. Um, Eric B. is president, and if anybody knows me, you know my nickname is E.B. for Prez. It comes from the song Eric B. is president, like no tricks in 86, it's time to build. Like that was what we, that was what my mom rolled with, and that's how I, that's how I got my name. But that song in particular, and that um, part that Clyde played, it helped popularize the drum break in hip hop. Like before then, yeah, people were using that, but that particular song in that year of 86, it took off 
the song is like the ultimate expression of blackness, the original. And, you know, we have an ancestral connection to drums. And the song, some of the songs that have come from Funky Drummer um, are Dr. Dre's Let Me Ride, N.W.A.'s Fuck the Police, Most Def Mathematics, L.L.'s Mama Said Knock You Out, Kwame's The Rhythm, Michelle's No More Lies, and the self-destruction song, you know, from the Stop the Violent movement. Like, that's all from Funky Drummer. In addition to that, you like listen to the Powerpuff Girls theme song. It samples Funky Drummer, so it's like a wide range of um, genre there. Everybody from George Clinton to Sinead O'Connor to even James Brown sampling that particular drum <laughs> break himself in a later song. Like, this song has been sampled so many times by so many different people, and it's just one of those things that never gets old. I think the song's name, especially like the Fuck the Police and the Stop the Violence movement and even songs like um, the Boogie Down production South Bronx, like these songs are all indicative of like blackness and a movement, like the, either the hip-hop movement and bells get is. me. That bell kind of hit my ears. I'm like, am I, <laughs> these some good... That's why you start doing that dance. Hey, it hit me kind of hard, so... I definitely, I mean, there's no way I can say anything against Funky Drummer. My thing with Impeach the Pre President, like, it doesn't have the same history as, as far as it being a James Brown type of song. And of course, with Clyde on those drums. But the thing about, about, um, about Impeach the President, like, I'll say this. Growing up, I used to always hear a certain drum pattern that I just saw as being, that's just the hip-hop pattern. That's just what it is. I was too young to know who it came from, what it was. There is no whosample.com, there is no YouTube, there is no Google. There was not even Ask Jeeves yet. So all I knew was basically like, whenever I heard, I heard this on so many songs, I never knew where it came from. I just thought that was just something that was created with hip-hop. So when I got old enough to realize that that's Impeach the President, I realized this song had been sampled so many times and used in so many different ways from everything from the most grimiest, hardcore gutter songs to the most poppiest songs, to reggae songs, to everything. And then when I started digging even deeper, I realized it got chopped up even more than that to where it might not be the same pattern being used, but we still heard that those same drums used in a different way. So, I mean, one of the, the main examples is that we have Janet. That's the way love uh, goes. That's one of the, the dopest songs from the 90s. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry, they didn't even sample that much, but when they, they first got into sampling, they said, let's use that. We got to use a piece of president. Same with Prince. Prince rarely ever used anything else, but if you listen close enough to uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, he uses it real subtle. But before that, you had so many songs back in the 80s. You had the MC Shan, The Bridge. You had the Big Daddy Kane, Smooth Operator. Those are just over-the-top 80s classics. And then when you talk about it being chopped up and just the, the legacy of, where, of what happened with that, one of the best, most known hip-hop beats ever is Top Billing. Top Billing, they took that in Peace the President and chopped that up, made a whole different pattern. So, of course, that influenced the MC Light 10% disc, but that also inspired Real Love Mary, which was one of the most influential. I mean, that, that is hip-hop soul right there, and you still hear that all the time. So the fact that in Peace the President led to that is just a testament to how big it was. Also, in that early 90s R&B, you had the Tevin I'm Ready and even Waterfalls use that same beat pattern. So you had those type tracks, but... Then on the hip-hop track, the hip-hop side that didn't sound anything like that, you got a crisscross jump. 
they, uh, JD took the uh, impeached president and, and, and merged that with some uh, Jackson 5. Then, hum, uh, not Humpty, I should say, but Shock G, rest in peace, used it on I Get Around for Tupac. He used it in a whole different way on there. Then you had tracks like LL, Around the Way Girl. Like, there's nothing you can, you, you can do to touch that. You had it on songs like Biggie, Unbelievable, which is one of the best albums of the whole 90s, one of the best hip-hop albums ever, possibly top five still. You had Biggie using that on Unbelievable. Then you move into like the, I mean, even with the house music, you had CeCe Peniston using it on songs. I'm Not Over You. You had Diana King on Shy Guy. That's like Bad Boy soundtrack. So it was used so much. So I'll bring it back to you. It's you say that because like you started with, it's hard to say something bad about um, Funky Drummer. It's equally as hard to say anything bad about Impeach the President because, yeah, it's a very prevalent sample in the way that it's been chopped up and been nice. But the influence doesn't extend the same way, in my opinion. Like, it doesn't extend beyond just this is good music or this is a nice song. Like, some of the songs that I've named that, it, that, has, that have sampled Funky Drummer have been, like, monumental for the black community, the whole stop the violence movement, the whole, you know, fuck the police. Like, we still dealing with that stuff today. And then it's, tr like, traveled into the world of movies where Public Enemy sampled it for Fight the Power. And that's, like, one of the modern-day, if I can say the 90s were modern-day, protest songs that we have. You know, that's that song is the foundation for that. And the fact that it came from James Brown... And everybody knows like how proud he was. Like, I'm black and I'm proud. Like it, it's just like the, like I said, it's the ultimate expression of blackness and uh, you know just like healing and you know like we still here. Like like Kendrick said, we gonna be all right. Like that's what funky drummer represents to me. And then it's been sampled uh, uh, 1,723 times that we know of, and in each song, it hits. At just as hard as it did in the last song. So you can take a popular song like Dr. Dre's Let Me Ride. It hits hard in there, but it's still going to hit hard on something like um, a George Michael song or a Britney Spears song. They, like these, all, these are all people who have sampled him. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas. George Clinton himself, like the OG, went back to sample Funky Drummer. Like, and specifically that beat break. The West Coast loved the song. Like D.O.C., like, it's one of those songs that's universal. I think Impeach the President is a great song, but I feel like a lot of what we got. I mean, I definitely, I definitely hear it. And I mean, I would say it might not have been used for as many, I would say for a monumental um, protest song such as Fight the Power. But I mean, whether you love it or hate it, Nas used that beat for I Can. And that was the whole beat, basically, was this Impeach plus Beethoven. He took both of those together. And then I, I feel like you, you still hear Impeach even more because even recently, you have a song such as like a J. Cole Wet Dreams, where that's just the, the entire beat right there. And I think the, the thing about Impeach is that it got chopped up so many different ways that you still hear the samples of the samples. So rest in peace, Biz Marquis. He did make the music with your mouth. He, he used the, he used Impeach right there. And then that little break, that led to, yes, y'all, Jigga Man Be Ballin', Maya, Best of Me remix. And, and when you mentioned that, that you don't really hear as as diverse as you do with a uh, funky drummer, nah. Because I would say I've heard I've heard Impeach used by Alanis Morissette. You learn and Mick Jagger, Sweet Thing, and it's been used by you know even recently like Jasmine Sullivan had the holding you down going in circles. That's a pretty recent song within the last like 
12, yeah. 13 years. So I feel like it's been used. I mean, and, and even going back to, I would say it, it kind of influenced the, the foundation of hip hop soul along with, I mentioned how Real Love was like the, that's Mary's breakthrough main record that, that you know, led to hip hop soul. But also in that same exact era, you had Jodeci, Come and Talk to Me. And what happens at the break of that song? You look so sexy. That's nothing but, but Impeach just by itself. And I think, I'll say this, I think Impeach is a better standalone beat. Like whenever you hear a lot of songs, there's, there's songs that have just the beat from Impeach just by itself, even if it's just for an isolated eight or 16 bars where it's just that, that drum beat. I think Funky Drummer is dope, but it's, it's so busy that you can take it and chop it up a lot of different ways. It's great underneath stuff like Let Me Ride is layered. It's not the dominant drum beat, but when you hear a song like the I Can or like the even the Wet Dreams, those type songs, it's the dominant drum beat on there. Same with like MC Shan the Bridge. It's cut up a little bit, but it's those drums just hit so hard. The kick is this where you ain't, you ain't even gotta EQ it that much. So, and I hear what you're saying. I think I will rest my argument on this. Funky Drummer is the foundation of hip hop and help establish hip hop. While Impeach the President, although very prevalent in hip hop. It's really more the foundation of hip hop soul and you know that drum pattern that's used there. Um, Funky Drummer is just one of those songs that, although it's not, uh, it doesn't stand alone. The, the the drum break does not stand alone in the same way that Impeach the President does, but it's just it hits just as hard. It never stops. Like it's one of those things you put on, and no matter where you at. Everybody's gonna have a memory attached to a song. Like everybody has a memory attached to uh, Stetasonic Sally. That's like a a New York classic, one of my favorites. Everybody on the West Coast might have a memory attached to Dre's "Let Me Ride" or "Fuck the Police." Everybody on the East Coast, you know, they gonna be riding with the Kwames. I have to get. I feel like it's the same for Impeach. I feel like it might not have been the foundation as much for hip hop, but as you said, hip hop so. Even a lot of the UK soul, a lot of UK British soul used the uh, impeach a whole lot back in that late, late 80s, early 90s, soul to soul era. And as you said with the regions, I feel like, like I mean, Crisscross Jump is one of the biggest party songs of the 90s, and you're still going to hear that all the time. And the same with the I Get Around. Like, I feel like it's it's been used in different ways, and you still do, do hear it a lot more recently, I would say. That's one thing that I give uh, the advantage of it with. And as I said, I think it's just, it's just the signature drum beat of hip-hop to me whenever i hear that that pattern with that open hi-hat real quick right before that that second snare it just feels like what rap is so it's 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 hard for me to ever go against james in any way but in this specific case i think i do have to roll with that impeach the president and i mean for anybody who is doubting it if you want to pause it real quick before we finish off and just listen to each of those and tell me which one you feel stands out a little bit more in your head and with that, I think it's time to, uh, right at the buzzer, it's time to take it to our producers, Melissa and the ladies. So if y'all had to pick between, you know, both of your children, they're both twins probably, something like that, <laughs> you know, it's the loud, quint, the loud twin, the quiet twin, however you want to chop it up, which break would you say has more importance or is just better, however you want to decide? Well, I know the lady was there when they recorded Funky Drummer because it was live. Yeah. It was a concert, so I'm, I know she was there. She was backstage. She snuck backstage. The disrespect, <laughs> I tell you. It's fine, because I'm still glowing off of the concert this weekend. D-Nice in Club Quarantine. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. It was cool. I, I was cool. am going with Impeach the President. Um, it was 
it, they're close. They're close in terms of just their impact. Um, and just the, the frequency and variety of how they're used. But I definitely felt like it was the standalone was just so um, recognizable and in all of my favorite songs. So like every time Ryan had an example, I'm like, I know that's my favorite song. Like, so it just it, it stood out for this moment, although I really do see the importance and impact of Funky Drummer. All right. All right. One oh. All right, Melissa, what's good? Um, so this is hard. Like, I don't, I really don't know. They're both just so impactful and memorable. And when you said both of them, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Uh, and I, I'm going to just have to go with the draw on this one. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I'm not mad either way. So, I mean, I will take this victory. So, I mean, hey, either way. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. That's one, one, I mean, one at a time. I'll either, take it. All right. Either way, for anybody out there who's listening, hashtag behind the wheels pod right now. Let us know which one do you think is better or more influential, or is, is there even a difference of that? And let us know what you feel. And also, if you have any types of... Uh, suggestions for future uh, podcast episodes for the drop for rewind for fast forward or for a beat match whatever it may be please go ahead and send the email to behind the wheels pod at gmail.com and we'll uh, make sure to get that to you and please once again uh, make sure that you rate and review us on apple Podcasts. it's the way that everybody else can find our podcast out there so we appreciate you all for being tuned in so until next episode this was episode number three season two Behind the Wheels Podcast. I'm signing out. I'm DJ Artistic. Once again, follow me at DJ R-T-I-S-T-I-C. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. And I'm also on Twitch as well. Uh, EB, where can they find you? You can find me everywhere. I'm at EB, the number four, and then Prez. So E-V, E-B for Prez with a Z. Um, Twitter, Instagram. And if you really, really like old school, check out my Facebook page. That's where it gets real with the old school. But EB for Prez. I believe it. There it is. So we appreciate y'all for being tuned in once again. Behind the Wheels, Artistic, signing out. We out.